This is an RNZ podcast. One of the most commented on comment pieces published this past week about the chaos in the US was one in the New York Times opinion section under the provocative headline, Send in the Troops. The author was Senator Tom Cotton, a Republican from Arkansas and a close ally of President Trump. One thing above all else will restore order to our streets, he wrote, an overwhelming show of force to disperse, detain and ultimately deter lawbreakers. The riots, he said, were a carnival for the thrill-seeking rich and an orgy of violence orchestrated by cadres of left-wing radicals. On CNN later, former General Wesley Clark, who commanded US and Allied troops in the Kosovo conflict in 1999, said that Senator Cotton was wrong, but the paper was in the clear. What Tom Cotton is proposing is way out of line with the situation. It totally uh, misunderstands the American political system, our heritage, and the role of the armed forces. I was very sorry to see him say that, uh, but I think it's fine that the New York Times published it, because let's get it out there, let's talk about it, and let's understand why that view is so misplaced at this point. Now, predictably, there was a backlash from those who didn't think that was fit for the paper to publish, but notably, it began in the New York Times' own newsrooms. More than 800 staff members signed a letter of protest to editors and New York Times executives. The letter argued that Senator Cotton's essay was not only inflammatory, but contained misinformation. But the editor in charge of the opinion section, James Bennett, hit back, saying many readers will find Senator Cotton's arguments painful and even dangerous, but we believe that is one reason it requires public scrutiny and debate. Now, dozens of New York Times staffers made their feelings known on social media in defiance of a company policy which instructs them not to post partisan comments or take sides on issues. And media writers of other outlets didn't hold back either. Washington Post media columnist Margaret Sullivan said that a common and useful norm in a newsroom is to say, hey boss, you might want to take a look at this one before it runs because it's got trouble written all over it. Now, the New York Times used to have a public editor to oversee its ethics in cases like this, but after it scrapped the post in 2017, the Columbia Journalism Review appointed one itself in 2019. Gabriel Snyder, formerly an editor at The New Republic and The Atlantic, and on Friday he said, The Times fails in its mission to seek the truth when it lends its platform to others to tell lies. Senator Collins' column, he said, was not only reprehensible but dishonest and not fit for print. And soon after, that's what New York Times chastened executives also decided. The story did not meet its standards, it said in a statement, and James Bennett himself told the staff he hadn't actually read it before he published it. Several New York Times staff used the same phrase on Twitter commenting on this. Running this piece puts black New York Times staff in danger. So this week I also asked the Advocacy Director of the Committee to Protect Journalists, Dr Courtney Radge, if she thought that was true. Well, we don't get involved in the editorial content of the news organizations and journalists that we defend. The fact is, is regardless of what the editorial perspective is, they have the right to work freely and safely. That said, elevating public officials and, and when public officials are out there calling for military action against peaceful protests, and against journalists who are trying to cover newsworthy events when they are using this hyperbolic, you know, very militarized, dangerous language. Of course, it's creating conditions that could be much more perilous for journalists on the ground, not to mention the protesters and the people who are out there demanding racial justice. I personally don't think that publishing and giving it a platform 
two people who are calling for militarized action against people who are expressing their First Amendment rights, freedom of expression, freedom of association, and press freedom should be actioned against with military troops. This was clearly labelled as an opinion, this uh, piece by Senator Tom Cotton, but it, it is getting pretty weird, isn't it, when the reader's representative is saying uh, it was not only dishonest but actually reprehensible, uh, his words, and uh, shouldn't have been published. You know, there has been criticism at the New York Times or the Washington Post or other outlets who have provided an outlet, for example, uh, President Putin or uh, Erdogan from Turkey to have access to the pages of their newspapers, despite the fact that Turkey, for example, is the leading jailer of journalists or or vying with China for that role, um, when Russia has a massive crackdown on the press, and yet to provide them access to this very high-profile opinion section. You know, that is a question for the New York Times, for the Washington Post, for the op-ed editors. I think you could see it both ways, because we want to make sure that regardless of the, you know, political persuasion or um, the uh, professionalism of a media organization or of a journalist, that they have the right to report on these issues without fear of being targeted, without fear of injury and without fear of reprisal. Dr. Courtney Radge, the Advocacy Director for the Washington-based Committee to Protect Journalists, talking to me about a controversial column in the New York Times this week urging military intervention to quell the unrest in the U.S.